Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb. Special welcome to any guests or visitors joining us this evening. Please know you're always welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. And we are continuing through our midweek series on uh, Lenten Catechesis from the Small Catechism. And our emphasis this year is the Sacrament of the Altar. And as we've come to the second week in our series, we're taking up the question, where is this written? Uh, as it is found in the small catechism in connection with the sacrament of the altar. And so we'll hear uh, the summary that we have in the catechism, uh, along with additional teaching from uh, the small catechism and large catechism this evening in order to answer that question. The service is the order of vespers as it begins on page 229. We now sing the first hymn. The first reading is from Exodus chapter 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have, him after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, and on that very day the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. O Lord, have mercy on us. The second reading is from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 14. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear saints in Christ, the words of our psalm this evening are a fitting place to begin our meditation. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. As God's redeemed children, cleansed by the blood of Jesus and baptized into his death and his resurrection, we give thanks to the Lord with our whole heart. We study the great works of the Lord and we delight in them. For the Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides for us our daily bread and the very bread of life, the holy supper of his son's body and blood. He remembers his covenant forever. And we receive it with joy. This blessed meal came to us at a great cost to Christ our Lord, cost in his life. Where is this written? 
The holy evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It was on the night of his betrayal, his abandonment, his false arrest, that our Lord instituted this meal in which we take his body and drink his blood of the covenant. But have you ever stopped to think about that? We give thanks for this and all the events of Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. Christ Jesus was betrayed into the hands of sinful men that we might be redeemed from our sins, which include our own betrayals of Christ. Thanks be to God. He was arrested and falsely tried so that we might be set free and declared righteous, justified through faith in Christ by our Heavenly Father. Thanks be to God. He, Jesus, received a brutal flogging at the hands of Roman soldiers and was, as the prophet Isaiah said, pierced for our transgressions on the cross. Thanks be to God. For what were the most trying times in his earthly life, the peak of his suffering, of his angst, of the bitterness that he experienced, including the deep sorrow and the great mystery of his forsakenness by the Father on the cross, we give thanks to God for these things. Why? Because Christ Jesus did all of this for us unworthy sinners. He suffered and died that we might live as God the Father's forgiven and redeemed children, baptized in his triune name, those whom the Lord will never forsake. As we look to the scripture lessons for this evening, we are reminded that Christ's Holy Supper is only for baptized Christians who have been instructed in the Christian faith and who share a united Orthodox confession of the faith. Though it may seem odd at first, one place that we see the Lord teach this in his word is actually at the institution of the Passover. We must remember that the Passover points to Jesus and all he would accomplish for our forgiveness and salvation on the cross. St. Paul, he makes this connection for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, saying, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And so with this in mind, listen again to what is written in Exodus 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover, no foreigner shall eat of it. But every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have him circumcised. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn, that means to journey with you, and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be then as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. Now, it's important to remember this, that in the Old Covenant, circumcision and faith marked you as belonging to God's set-apart holy people, Israel. So now, holy baptism and faith mark you as belonging to God's new covenant, the new spiritual Israel. Now, if you want to do a deep dive on this, Romans chapters 9 through 11, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, 
Uh, you can go to Colossians as well, where there's a great teaching regarding uh, circumcision and its connection to baptism. But all of this is with regard to the Holy Christian Church, the new spiritual Israel. Therefore, only those who are baptized and have been instructed in the Christian faith may come faithfully to the Lord's table to eat and drink the Lord's body and blood as it is given to us in and under bread and wine. Furthermore, it is possible to receive the Lord's Supper to your harm. We even sang about this. That probably caught you off guard. Sang about this in our office hymn for the evening. And we are instructed and warned of this in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 to 29. St. Paul writes, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Therefore, when you come to the Lord's Supper, you should examine yourself according to Holy Scripture. The guidance is usually that of the Ten Commandments. We are given a helpful guide for this in the small catechism. It is called Christian Questions and Their Answers, and it is found in your hymnal. And so I'll actually have you take out your hymnals and turn to page 329. And this will be part of our catechesis for the evening. Page 329 and 330 is where you will find this. It's also, of course, in... Any edition of the Catechism that is in its fullness and worth its salt, you can find it in there also. So, page 329, I will read the questions and we will all together read the answers. Of course, there is this preface which we begin with. After confession and instruction in the Ten Commandments, the Creed and the Lord's Prayer, uh, or the Lord's Prayer and the Sacraments of Baptism and the Lord's Supper, the pastor may ask, or Christians may ask themselves, these questions. Do you believe that you are a sinner? Yes, I believe that I am a sinner. How do you know this? Are you sorry for your sins? Yes, I am sorry that I have sinned against God. What have you deserved from God because of your sins? Do you hope to be saved? In whom then do you trust? In my dear Lord Jesus Christ. Who is Christ? The Son of God, true God, and man. How many gods are there? Only one, but there are three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What has Christ done for you that you trust in him? Did the Father also die for you? How do you know this? What are the words of institution?
Well done. Do you believe then that the true body and blood of Christ are in the sacrament? Yes. What convinces you to believe this? What should we do when we eat his body and drink his blood and in this way receive his pledge? We Why should we remember and proclaim his death? motivated Christ to die and make full payment for your sins? Finally, why do you wish to go to the sacrament? should admonish and encourage a Christian to receive the sacrament frequently. And I'll actually stop you right there, to which you're probably relieved as to the length of question 20. But it's interesting as you look at this, especially when we get to uh, question 16, why should we remember and proclaim his death? First, so we may learn to believe. Faith is a continual process. Yes, it is a gift that the Holy Spirit gives in baptism, absolutely, but it is also something that he continues to increase in you as you hear the word and receive his sacrament. And so also then with question 18, why do you wish to go to the sacrament? That I may learn to believe that Christ, out of great love, died for my sin. And also learn from him to love God and love my neighbor, as was mentioned last week, to know him. This is the whole point of catechesis, of learning God's word, of going through the catechism, that you learn to know Christ all the better. And that as you continue to receive his blessed sacrament and receive him, so also you know him all the more. And your faith increases by the power of the spirit working through that very same word and sacrament. And then also finally, why do you wish to go to the sacrament? Again, that I may learn to believe that Christ out of great love, died for me. Now, you're probably wondering why we didn't read question 20 together. It's not just for the length. It's for our purpose, but for our purposes this evening, I thought it would be better to share with you Luther's answer to this question as he writes it in the large catechism, which is a collection of sermons on the chief parts of the catechism. Luther says this, but suppose you say, what shall I do if I do not feel this need nor experience hunger and thirst for the sacrament of the altar? Answer, to those of you whose state of mind is such that you do not, your, do not feel your need, I can give no better that counsel than to tell you to pinch yourselves and see if you're still flesh and blood. If you find that you are, then for your own good, turn to St. Paul's epistle to the Galatians, chapter 5, and hear of what sort the fruits of the flesh are. 
The fruits of the flesh are plain, immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. So if you cannot feel your need, at least believe the scripture. Scripture will not lie to you. It knows you better than you do yourself. Yes, St. Paul also concludes in Romans 7, 18, I know that nothing good dwells within me that is within my flesh. If St. Paul can say that about his flesh, let us not make ourselves out to be any better or holier than he. But that fact that we do not feel our sinfulness shows that our condition is much worse than his, for it is a sign that our flesh is leprous and does not feel anything even though the disease is raging in us and eating our life away. If sin has deadened you so completely, you better believe the scripture as it pronounces God's verdict against you. In short, the less you feel your sins and flaws, the more reason you have to go to the sacrament to seek a remedy. In the second place, he writes, look around you to see if you're still in the world, or if you do not know whether you are, then ask your neighbor. And if you find, as you will, that you are indeed still in the world, do not think that there will be any lack of sins and troubles. Just begin asking if you would want to become a good person and stay with the gospel. Or just begin acting, rather, as if you'd want to become a good person and stay with the gospel. And then see if people will not turn against you. Do you harm injustice and violence, thus giving you occasion for sin and wrongdoing? If you have not experienced this, learn it from Scripture, which everywhere testifies that this is what the world is like. You will certainly also, in addition to the flesh and the world, have the devil about you. Him you will not completely tread underfoot, because not even our Lord Christ could entirely avoid his temptations. Now, what is the devil? Nothing else than what the scripture calls him, a liar and a murderer. He is a liar who seduces the heart away from God's word and blinds it, so that you become insensitive to your need and unable to come to Christ. He is a murderer who begrudges you every hour of your life. If you could see how many of his knives, spears, and arrows are aimed at you every moment, you would be glad to come to the sacrament as often as you can. The one reason why we go about so heedlessly in our false sense of security is that we do not admit or believe that we are living in the flesh, the world, and in the devil's domain. Dear saints, our Lord Jesus Christ has told us, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It is indeed the Lord's will to satisfy his beloved saints at his table of grace. Those who are weak, those who are sick, those who groan under the burden of sin and the assaults of the devil and the sinful world, they will find rest in Christ's supper. It is for you. Our Lord says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The sacrament depends on the word and promise of Christ, who is both the host and feast of his supper. Holy Communion is a refuge and a comfort for all of God's baptized and repentant people who cling to his word and its purity and truth. Therefore, returning to the psalm, let us give thanks to the Lord with our whole heart. In the company of the upright and the congregation, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them, Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him, the most blessed food. 
and he remembers his covenant forever. Thanks be to God for his mercy shown to us, his baptized people. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Almighty and merciful God, defend your church from all false teaching and error, that your faithful people may confess you to be the only true God and rejoice in your good gifts of life and salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, giver and perfecter of our faith, we thank you and praise you for continuing among us the preaching of your gospel for our instruction and edification. Send forth your blessing upon the word which has been spoken to us, and by your Holy Spirit increase our saving knowledge of you, that day by day we may be strengthened in the divine truth and remain steadfast in your grace. Give us strength to fight the good fight and by faith to overcome all the temptations of Satan, the flesh, and the world, so that we may finally receive the salvation of our souls. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Well, again, good evening and welcome. And God's richest blessings to you as we continue to meditate on and rejoice in this great gift that he gives us uh, in and under bread and wine, that in his very body and blood for our forgiveness, life, and salvation. God's peace to you and grant you a peaceful evening and a quiet night's rest. I'll greet you at the door.